This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend with you and yours. I want to give a shout out to my dad here. Happy belated birthday, dad. He and I checked out the Washington State versus University of Oregon basketball game. Cougs won, got the dub. We had a good weekend there. So again, happy birthday, dad. Love you. Go Cougs. Now let's get to today's news brief. First, I want to say today's culture shifts like sand, but new St. Andrews College is established on Christ, the immovable rock. The college is a premier institution that forges evangelical leaders who don't fear or hate the world. Guided by God's word, equipped with the genius of classical liberal arts and God-honoring wisdom, with a faculty dedicated to academic rigor and to God's kingdom, new St. Andrews College offers an education that frees people. Logic and language, hard work and joyful courage, old books and godly professors new st andrews college provides time-tested resources that can equip your student for any vocation to find out more visit nsa.edu that's nsa.edu now let's get to the news turkey hit by two more powerful earthquakes two weeks after disaster a 6.4 magnitude earthquake and a second measuring 5.8 have hit turkey's southern province of hatay terrifying those left in a region devastated by twin earthquakes two weeks ago turkey's interior minister said that at least three people were killed and 213 wounded by the latest quakes after a large government hospital in the city uh, in the north of hatay province declared it was evacuating patients the latest quakes less powerful fortunately than the 7.8 and 7.5 magnitude earthquakes that tore a path of destruction through southern Turkey and northern Syria on the 6th of February threatened yet more devastation in a region where many people have fled their destroyed homes for the safety of other towns and villages outside the quake zone. The larger quake struck at a depth of just 2 kilometers, 1.2 miles. The European Mediterranean Seismological Center, the EMSC, said... Potentially magnifying its impact at ground level, it was centered near the southern Turkish city, uh, a, a southern Turkish city, that is, and was felt in Syria, Egypt, and Lebanon. Turkey's disaster management agency, the AFAD, said the epicenter of the larger quake was below the defined district of Hatay in a region where many have complained of a lackluster government response to the first quakes. The death toll in Turkey from the quakes two weeks ago rose to 41,000 on Monday, the AFAD said, and was expected to climb further with 385,000 apartments known to have been destroyed or seriously damaged and many people still missing. At least 47,000 people are estimated to have died across Turkey and Syria. The Turkish president said construction work on nearly 200,000 apartments in 11 earthquake-hit provinces of Turkey would begin next month. Hours earlier, the U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said on a visit to Turkey that Washington would help for as long as it takes as rescue operations and aftershocks were winding down and the focus turned towards urgent shelter and reconstruction work. In rebel-held Syria, local search and rescue services and the Syrian civil defense, known as the White Helmets, reported the latest earthquakes and damaged buildings across a number of cities and towns. They said people have been injured by falling debris and stampedes, as well as jumping from elevated positions in fear of the destruction. So again, prayers for those in Turkey and Syria. Just heartbreaking stuff. Elsewhere, we go to China. 
China considering lethal aid for Russia, this according to Blinken. The Chinese regime could be considering providing lethal aid to Russia, according to U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, which, if confirmed, would represent an unprecedented escalation of China's presence in the Russia-Ukraine war. For the most part, China has been engaged in providing rhetorical, political, diplomatic support to Russia, but we have the information that gives us concern that they are considering providing lethal support to Russia in the war against Ukraine, Blinken told ABC's This Week program on Sunday after meeting with with China's top diplomat, Wang Yi, at the Munich Secretary Conference. Wang spoke at the conference on February 18th and said the Chinese regime is working on a peace proposal to reconcile the two sides of the conflict. Blinken indicated that the stipulated intention appears to run contrary to what is indicated in intelligence held by the United States. Wang and Blinken's meeting marked the first face-to-face exchange between the two sides since the surveillance balloon incident that set off an uproar in the United States and forced Blinken to cancel a planned visit to Beijing, bringing the relationship between the leader of the liberal democratic world and the leader of authoritarian governments to a freezing point. Hours before the meeting, Wang described the U.S. shootdown of the Chinese spy balloon that entered U.S. airspace without permission as hysterical, unimaginable, and a violation of international norms. The Chinese regime insists that the spy balloon is a weather balloon intended mainly for research purposes. The United States rejects this contention, saying that it detected other equipment on board and downed the spy balloon with an F-22 fighter jet. In a statement following the U.S.-China exchange in Germany, China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs stated that it does not accept the U.S. finger-pointing or even coercion targeting China-Russia relations. And regarding the balloon incident, threatened that the United States should be prepared to bear all consequence arising from an escalation. Moving on, leaked letter details James O'Keefe's response following indefinite no-pay suspension from Project Veritas. A leaked letter exclusively obtained by the Postmillennial reveals Project Veritas's founder James O'Keefe's statement to staffers on Monday after he was effectively removed from the organization by the board. The letter includes screenshots of the board's meeting on February 10th, which in which they voted 3-2 to two for his indefinite suspension as CEO without compensation pending. And on it. And essentially boiled down to this, and my vision, I'm going to paraphrase Howard Rourke, the architect, quote, I don't have, I don't build in order to have donors. I have donors in order to build. That's what I believed, and I felt like we had a conflict of visions. We don't measure our success only in terms of how much money we bring in. We measure our success in terms of our impact. Remember Acorn? I don't think I raised a single dollar off that. I had a stack of media coverage to the ceiling. We measure our success in terms of what we produce, not just in terms of our wallets. That was a pretty fundamental conflict, I felt. The day prior, I had informed him in front of his colleagues that if he wasn't willing to follow my lead, he'd be shown the door. I tried to deal with it privately, but I was unsuccessful, and the disagreement boiled over publicly in a staff meeting. The next day, this individual refused to resign, so I fired him. Later that same day, that's Thursday, February 2nd, a few days after the 50 million viewed Pfizer videos, I was informed by a different officer of Project Veritas that he would go to the board in a few hours from that moment and have an emergency vote to restructure this company, receiving an agenda in my email while I was sitting on an airplane tarmac with the doors closing. The, The meeting was scheduled for the moment that my plane landed in Nashville. It became clear to me in that moment I would be removed 
from my position at Project Veritas by the time I landed at my destination. I bet you didn't know that. It is unclear if O'Keefe will resign from Project Veritas or be fired, though Project Veritas spokesperson R.C. Maxwell said in a statement to TPM, I unfortunately don't have any answers for you. The Project Veritas board is in charge now. O'Keefe declined to comment. TPM, that's the post-millennial, understands that the board of directors plan to have a meeting and vote on Tuesday. Earlier this month, Project Veritas staffers had made allegations to the board that O'Keefe's curt leadership style was offensive to staff and donors. One large allegation of him being rude to a high-net-worth Oregon donor couple was refuted by the couple itself. Hi there, my name is Diana Remmers, and I'm actually here in Mexico on vacation with my husband and... Um, I've been made aware of uh, allegations towards James O'Keefe with Project Veritas uh, through the news, a little bit on news, a little bit on social media and whatnot. And I realized actually that one of the allegations and grievances towards James is about a situation that involved me with James in uh, December, I'm sorry, November 2021 in Florida at a David Horowitz event where the allegations are that he was extremely rude to one of his donors, which happens to be me, and that's completely blown out of proportion. Um, I asked him to take a picture, and he, you know, had a lot of people running at him asking for different things, and he wasn't thrilled about getting a picture at that moment, but he did. We, we, had, we actually, after that, we had a great conversation, we've become great friends, and I've had uh, events for him, one in Beverly Hills, he's been a personal guest of mine at Mar-a-Lago turning point event and I'm going to continue to support him and I'm really very disappointed in the petty allegations towards him they are actually completely false and ridiculous. So I will continue supporting James as long as he's with Project Veritas because without Project Veritas, without James, Project Veritas is nothing. So that's all I have to say. Just wanted to set the record straight and I hope everybody has a good day. O'Keefe's 4,600-word letter to staffers details the emotional turmoil he and the organization have experienced in the 13 years since its founding from his parents' carriage house in New Jersey. They include what he believes are years of lawfare and corrupt criminal investigations aimed at stopping his organization from exposing powerful individuals and organizations. He also concedes to the staffers' main grievances about his leadership style. Quote, I haven't always been the most compassionate leader, and that is admittedly a fault, something I need to work on he wrote. Since being suspended by the board, supporters of O'Keefe have speculated about the timing given that it only plays earlier Project Veritas had broken the most viewed story in its history about a Pfizer executive who said that the pharmaceutical company worked on mutating the COVID-19 virus. O'Keefe references this in his letter. O'Keefe's letter also includes a screenshot of an alleged text message conversation between an unnamed board member and a Project Veritas staffer discussing getting a raise if O'Keefe is removed. O'Keefe continues sharing his side of the internal dispute and closes the letter by suggesting he's prepared to start a new organization. Quote, so our mission continues on. I'm not done. The mission will perhaps take on a new name, and it may no longer be called Project Veritas. I'll need a bunch of people around me, and I will make sure you know how to find me. End quote. Moving on, Woke California University slammed for dehumanized initiative encouraging students to tell on professors. College students are pushing back against a woke California university for encouraging students to tell on professors for racism if they aren't called a aren't called on consistently 
during class. There we go. Campus reform correspondents Courtney McLean, Emily Sturge, and Daryl Boyer joined Fox and Friends weekend to discuss the broader issues at hand with the far-left infusion of woke agenda in college classrooms. Cal State University Monterey Bay has faced criticism for urging non-white students to report race-related stress under the Personal Growth and Counseling Center tab on its website. Document acts of racism or intolerance. Don't ignore or minimize your experiences and think broadly about what could be an act of racism. It doesn't have to be an overt act, e.g., for example, a professor consistently not calling on you or minimizing your contributions, curriculum racially biased, etc. Talk to someone you trust and report it. That's according to a web page on coping with racism and discrimination. According to the university website, race-related stress can cause psychological symptoms like anxiety, depression, paranoia, and self-blame, as well as psychological health concerns such as heart disease, hypertension, and muscle, muscle tension. McLean, who was a student at University of Central Florida noted her angst surrounding the move, citing concerns as to how it affects academic process. I quote, I am seeing more and more of this diversity, equity, and inclusion being forced by my school, and I'm frustrated because I feel like I'm not learning as much academically as I could because we're putting so much money into this. McLean said. Despite the widespread effort of the far left, the trio touted Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's efforts to counter indoctrination in the state's classrooms. Folks, that's going to do it for this Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership, a magazine subscription, or for the Ark Encounter, head on over to FightLaughBeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you have questions about our conference this year at the Ark Encounter, or if you want to become a corporate partner of Cross-Politic, email me at Garrison at FightLaughBeast.com. For Cross-Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day, and Lord bless.